Stonehenge, Into the Light, Part 4 of 5, Avebury. Hello, I'm Mark Zaretti, and this is the audiobook version of this feature-length spiritual documentary. We return now to the editing desk on the 20th of December 2022. Welcome back. Well, that was certainly fascinating, and it really gives an insight into how so much of what we maybe believe to be cutting-edge technology in our present day could actually have its roots not only in the ancient past, but perhaps even on higher dimensions. But let us return now to where we left off. The story at Stonehenge isn't quite finished, and after Stonehenge, I'm going to invite you to join me as we take a journey to Avebury, where there are even more revelations and insights, not only into our ancient past, but also into how things are, the way they are in the present day. Back now to Stonehenge on the 15th of November, 2022. Now, you could actually touch the craft, but you would have had to enter into that perimeter and you would have probably suffered quite badly from radiation. The occupants of the craft, however, they could come out and because they were of a, higher di- uh, of a high vibration, they were from higher dimensions, their bodies and their form are meant to be exposed to higher vibrational energy and so they didn't suffer any ill effect from the vibrate from the radiation and they could come out leave the craft walk out of the kind of safety perimeter of the sarsen stone circle and then meet with the druids and that's exactly what would happen now they would have about 10 hours from when they landed to when they had to leave two reasons maintaining the vortex on the craft took a lot of energy so 10 hours was about the maximum and once they stepped out of that vortex field that was suppressing their vibration to drop it down to pseudo-physical third dimensional vibration they would start the process of returning to their own vibration that wouldn't happen instantly but if they stayed outside of that field for more than 10 hours they would just start to fade now remember they're not actually made of physical matter they're made of energy and matter on higher dimensions their matter would start to return to its natural vibration and if you were standing say i you know say this is one of them then they would just fade away they wouldn't actually be gone but you would no longer be able to perceive them but they would now be in a bit of bother because they'd be stuck on this plane but at the wrong vibration so they had a maximum of 10 hours and often they wouldn't stay even half of that but they would do their work talk about what needed to be done go and attack that village this person has to leave the group design this technology whatever the 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 instruction was and obviously they were always teaching them about magic and things like this because a lot of the suppression is to do with thought and a lot of the black magic they were doing and the 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 circles and the stones and the work they did in nature was to actually set up negative energy grids around the planet. For the next 3,000 years, these biannual meetings carried on. Visitors came down and then again, things were evolving on higher dimensions and the leader and those really close to him like Pan. Over this time, they hadn't been standing still. Humanity was now evolving. We're coming up to about 6,000 BC and you've got the rise of the Egyptian cities and Mesopotamia. And this was because three of those races that had been involved with this Druid council had broken ranks and set up their own cities in defiance of the leader. They had gained power on high dimensions as well. Suddenly, there was much more conflict between these ruling races on higher dimensions. And there had always been conflict between many of the other races, of which there are many. Earth was the prize. And in this pursuit of governance and rule, 
The leader had developed a vast array of knowledge, all of which was dark. Black magic, mind control, thought control, manipulation, technologies and energies that should never have existed. Knowledge was power, and it still is to this day, which is why these dark forces do not want you to know the truth about things like Stonehenge or the truth about higher dimensions. But even back then, 6000 BC, the leader was facing a rapidly changing situation on the planet. Other races were starting in defiance to come down and had their own agendas and plans for humanity on this planet and this physical plane. What he prized most and what gave him his edge was he was seen as the master of all that is dark. And so he needed somewhere to hide his knowledge. But understand this, humanity are good. Our birthright is light. And there are forces for good far greater than even this leader. And all those who are dark and evil work in the shadows. The thing they fear more than absolutely anything is the truth of what they are doing being brought into the light. And so they have to hide in secrecy, even if they hide in plain sight amongst us today. And so he needed somewhere where he could hide his dark knowledge, not only from his enemies, and the other races and groups, and even from some of his own ranks, but from the light. And he took all of his knowledge and his understanding of the third dimension, and bearing in mind that the third dimension itself was under a dark firmament, which is why we're so kept in the dark about higher dimensions and the source of light. But he took all of this knowledge and he realized that Stonehenge presented a wonderful opportunity. You see, what he needed was a library, somewhere he could archive off all of his knowledge. And then when he was training his acolytes, he could send them to this secret library. And in secret, they could gain the knowledge that he wanted them to have. And this brings us on to Avery. And it's at Avery that we will find this library. Join me as we head north to Avebury, a straight line journey of just over 17 miles. There's much more to discover there, but first let's recap what we now know. About 9700 BC, a being of immense evil from higher dimensions instructed his agents on the third dimension, known as Druids, to make a giant year clock. Twice a year he came down to them by interdimensional tunnel, fueled by black magic and ungodly energy. As well as putting in place dark magic and energy grids, they also interfered and meddled with affairs on Earth in order to mislead and enslave humanity. 700 years later, he gave them technology to move giant stones and they created the stone circles to facilitate interdimensional craft first seen on Atlantis thousands of years before. By BC 6000, some of his allies had turned against him and other groups were interested in manipulating humanity. And so to keep his advantage, he sought to hide his evil knowledge in a library on the third dimension. Thus, the Avebury site was formed. Across this vast expanse of time, this leader and the other dark and evil races have all had a single goal, to prevent you from discovering your true nature as a being of light and to stop you reaching for the source of that light. They want to keep you in the dark and technology is the key to their success. So we've just arrived at the southernmost part of the Avebury site. And these stones, one here, and the one behind me represent the entrance to what is a long gateway that you can see going off heading north to the stone circle and we're going to walk it's about one kilometer and at the other end we should find the southern 
edge of the stone circle. Now these stones were brought here in exactly the same way as the Druids used technology to move the stones at Stonehenge. Now as we walk up here, it's about a kilometre. Good boy. Not lovely to take me quite a few minutes. And you saw the drive on the way here as well. And that was obviously not as direct a route because we had to go round the roads. But even thousands of years ago when there were no roads, it would have still been quite a trek. Now you remember me saying that those visitors from higher dimensions only had a maximum really of 10 hours. And when I said that they created a library at Avebury, obviously they had to get there. Now they couldn't use the craft because the energy demands just to keep the craft at this dimension, at this vibration were quite high. It was purely there to get them here and to take them home. So they had to make their way to Avebury. At the speed I'm going, it would have taken them the best part of half of that time. They wouldn't have really had the time to walk all the way here, do what they need to do and then walk back. The answer to this may be surprising is how did they do it then? They didn't have any fancy technology, hoverboards, they didn't use horses. Because they were higher dimensional beings and because they had come down into what I call pseudo-physicality, although yes they were physical and you could interact with them, they didn't exist in the same physical way that you and I do. They were still fundamentally higher vibration. For them, there was no weight really, there was no strain, and they could literally run super fast because there was no effect upon them from the that you and I would experience. They didn't fatigue, they simply left the craft, had a quick sprint up here and arrived minutes later, did what they need to do, and then sprinted back to the craft, all with ample of time. You see, things on higher dimensions don't obey the laws of physics as we do. And they, although could interact with physical things, and though they could be seen, they were not truly physical. They were just temporarily physical. So we're now arriving at the ring of the henge around Avebury. And as you come over this henge, you can see the stones. This village wouldn't have been here in the past and this road through the middle. So you can kind of see a ring of stones and again, significantly big. And as before, it's the same technology, exactly the same as Stonehenge and that would later be used for the pyramids. Probably would have been quite something to have seen these circles in the outer henge when they were first erected. But now that there's this village in the middle of it, traffic driving past and trees growing up around it and within it, it's hard to get an idea of what it might have been. If viewed from above, you have one giant outer circle, the henge, and then you have two inner circles, and buried beneath the ground is also a rectangle, all made of stone. And this is quite an impressive stone. I'm six foot tall and I come about yay high. So I'm guessing this is at least 10 foot above the ground. 
wider at the top so there's no way it landed there according to nature okay this stone behind me is just one of the many stones at the Avebury site forming two inner rings and then the outer ring the inner rings are the library as are the buried stones forming a rectangle. When I said library, you may have been forgiven for thinking in terms of paper, ink and books. And ironically, just over there is a second-hand bookshop. But these are multi-dimensional beings from a higher dimension. They don't work in terms of ink and paper. For them, it's all about thought. So they needed a library of thought. And it turns out that the third dimension has something very, very special. It has silica and in particular quartz. Now, all these rocks contain even if it's just microscopic, they contain quartz crystals. And it turns out that quartz is perfect for storing thought. And if you talk to people who study crystals, they'll talk about programming crystals through intention. Intention is thought, and the crystals are able to trap data. Just as you would put information onto a USB stick, each one of these stones is actually a repository of thought and therefore information. Now, just as in a bookshop or in a library, you would find different books on different subjects, that's what this is. Each stone covers a separate topic. Now, all the topics were concerned with things like dark magic, mind control, technology, basically things to do with suppressing humanity, controlling humanity, or general wrongdoing. And you may wonder, well, how did the information get into the stones? It's very simple. It started with the leader. He would come down. He would telepathically transmit the information he wanted into the stone and then he would use an array of dark magic invocations and incantations and spells to protect that information. That stone was now locked in place with its knowledge. Only someone that had the right incantations and invocations would be able to access that information. In time, not just the leader, but those close to him, such as Pan, also came down and imbued their knowledge into specific stones. And thus, a library of dark and evil knowledge was embedded into the physical matter at Avebury. Once the information was there, it was very straightforward for those who the leader intended, his acolytes, those he was training in the dark arts, to come here and access that information. He would say to them, take the next craft down at Solstice and go to stone number four, stone number seven and stone number 14, for example. And he would give them the incantation to unlock each of the stones. They would sit in front of the stone using telepathy. They would do the incantation, which would unlock the knowledge. And then they would telepathically draw it to them. And they would then know at a thought level the knowledge of that stone. It was clever because in this way the leader made sure that only the information he wanted could be accessed by that person. Otherwise, if it wasn't for the protection in place, someone could come and they could gather all of the knowledge. And since knowledge is power, they would then be able to challenge the leader. So the leader kept the keys. He knew the incantations, the invocations necessary. No one else did. And that way he could train his students in the dark arts but only, each one only had a small piece of the overall picture. They knew enough to do what he wanted them to do, but not to challenge him. Now, the protection wasn't just about protecting the knowledge in each stone. Remember, he hid the knowledge down here on the third dimension plane to keep it out of the light. And so the outer henge that's running behind us here and round there, and the stones around the perimeter acted as an anchor point for energy grid, a dome, covering the entire site, shrouding it in darkness. 
and therefore keeping the light out. So this monumental construction is far from a sacred site. It is something far, far more nefarious. Probably one of the most condensed repositories of ungodly and evil energy, thought, knowledge, which has been used since 6000 BC when this was constructed to suppress humanity, to keep us literally in the dark. When I finished filming, I was really saddened at the thought of all the evil and darkness that had been put into this land. I felt compelled to bless the ground and declare, as one who serves the light, that the forces of darkness could no longer claim this place. When I looked up, there was that wonderful rainbow which I just showed, and I knew there was nothing left to do or say here. What needed to be brought to light has been, and it was time to leave. The unexpected sunshine which had allowed me to film receded and sure enough, just as I made it to the van, the rains came down with poetic timing. Thank you for listening to this documentary. If you'd like to discover more, please visit thewaybackgroup.org.